Welcome to the Life Church STL podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages and inspires you. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. You guys think I could I could read another whole chapter to you at the beginning of my message like I did last week? Okay. Um I mean cuz who doesn't like hearing the Bible, right? But there's, in Psalms, there is uh, one of the writers, he, he wrote a few of the, uh, the poems, the Psalms, um, his name is Asaph, and uh, he comes to this moment in his life. He was a spiritual leader, he was appointed by David um, to, to really, I, I mean, he had to know all the the, the writings of God and lead people in worship and song, um, you know. And so this guy was a serious leader. And of course, like I said, he wrote some of these psalms. And, and so this guy knew God like probably not many other people in his day. He knew God. He worshiped God. He, he loved God. And he comes to this moment, and it's right here in, uh, in Psalm 73, and, and I was thinking about how, um, I, really about how it's us. I, I was thinking about how it's me in particular. Um, because no matter how long we've walked with God, no matter how much we love God, we can get in our mind in these places where, where we are seeing what's happening in others or seeing the good that's happening and people that shouldn't have good things happening to them, if you know what I mean? And, you know, and feeling like, God, why, why is it that I, it feels like other people are doing good, uh, you know, or having, seemingly being blessed or, or have abundance, and, and I'm here serving you, and I feel like I'm just struggling, you know? And, and where is that at? And, and I will tell you that, I mean, there's been many times throughout my life, and I'm sure yours, that you come to these moments, you're like, God, like, for real, you know, I've got four teenagers. Well, one's that's becoming an adult now, which is really weird, but, um, you know, in college and high school and sports and cars and gas and food and all this stuff. And so I kind of realized where, you know, like the struggle is, is because like, I was like, where is all the money going? And then I thought about it and I was like, oh, well, there it is. You know, <laughs> have kids, they say. <laughs> but just having that struggle, this feeling, and I've had it more recently, like, God, you know, when is it going to come to this place where, you know, we just see the, all the good things and, you know, the things that we've trudged through and you say, you know, trust me and, and, and it's going to be good and I'll get you through and I'll teach you and I'll strengthen you and you'll see that blessing sometime, you know, not in your time, but sometime that he wants it to happen. And so we have Asaph. That's all just really to preface this. 
And in Psalm 73, it says, truly God is good to Israel. He, I mean, he starts out real good. Like, you know, truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. Goes downhill real fast, like real fast. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Now, here, I mean, you can kind of see where the issue started to happen, and he recognizes it. Of course, he's writing this after these things had happened in his life. But he says, for I was envious of the boastful. He was looking, he was looking at what others had or that they were doing good or that they were shouting or screaming out or posting on Facebook about their, you know, fancy meal or their whatever, you know, I just, whatever it is, you know. And that's the, pro it's the same problem today. And he says, and I, and I got envious of those that were saying how good that they were doing or the great night that they had or whatever it is. And in verse 4, for there are no pangs in their death, but their strength is firm. They're not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride serves as their necklace Violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge with abundance. That's a lot of abundance. They bulge with abundance. They have more than heart could wish. They scoff and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walks through the earth. Therefore, his people return here and waters of a full cup are drained by them. And they say, how does God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who are always at ease. They increase in riches. Surely I have cleansed my heart. See, here's how he comes back in. And he's saying, I, I've been cleansing my heart. I, I've been doing what you've asked me to do, God. I've been doing the right things. But he says, surely I've cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I've been plagued and chastened every morning. If I had said I will speak thus, behold, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. He's saying I, I couldn't even speak the things that I was supposed to speak because my heart was not in the right place. Verse 16. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. He says, when I thought how to understand this, whenever I took it in, on my own shoulders of how to, to understand these things and, and why God would allow people that weren't doing things the right way to be blessed or to have abundance, but, but for me or for us to, 
to be doing things that God is asking us to do and walking with Him, but not feel like He is blessing us or feel like we're having that struggle and walking and trudging through these things. He says, when I put that weight on myself, I couldn't understand it and it was too painful for me. Verse 17, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. Ha. says, I, I don't think I can figure this out myself. I don't think I can wrap my mind around this thing. But when I went in to the sanctuary, whenever I went in to worship God, then it all started making sense. And then in verse 18, surely you set them in slippery places. All of a sudden, he's, he's understanding that, yeah, maybe that they look like they're blessed and, and it looks like things are going, for, going good for them right now, but it's a slippery slope. You cast them down to destruction. Oh, how they are brought to desolation as in a moment. Verse 20, as a dream, we, when one awakes, so Lord, when you awake, you shall despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved and I was vexed in my mind. I was so foolish and ignorant, I was like a beast before you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold me by my right hand. You will guide me with your counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For indeed, those who are far from you shall perish. You have destroyed all those who desert you for harlotry. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all your works. Whew. He came around full circle, okay, which is good. And, and I think that's what I, I want for us to understand and see. And I'm going to go to the New Testament. But, but I love in verse 17 where it says, Until I went to the sanctuary, then I understood. I understood their end that it's a slippery slope. Yes, they may look like they're lofty and standing up on that pedestal or, you know, way up there above me, but that place is not sure foundation because they're not standing on you, God. And it's a slippery slope. But he says in verse 26, my heart and my flesh fail, but God, is the strength of my heart and my portion and my portion forever. And so that's kind of what I want to, want to talk about today is that so many times we look at the temporal or the right now and forget about the everlasting or the forever or what happens after this small little space and time that we're in right now. What happens after that is so much more important. 
And, uh, you know, I was, we were talking with Miles, our son who's at college, and he's reading The Great Divorce, which is so cool because I love C.S. Lewis. And he's like, oh, it's so cool and all this stuff. And it talks about heaven and hell and, and all these things. And, and, and I, I just, I loved the way that C.S. Lewis put it. And it was, you know, painting this picture of how real heaven was that it made earth seem like shadows. You know, we, we live in this place where we feel like this is real. This is what it what is. It's, it, this is the stuff that makes sense. And many times, heaven and eternity seems like this shadowy place, like I can't really grab hold of it and I don't really understand it. But in reality, that is what is truly real that eternity with him, that heaven that we are meant to be with him. For ah, <laughs> That's what's real. And, and if we get the, the correct picture of heaven and eternity, that all of a sudden, this looks so ghostly. Like this doesn't, it's not even, it's not even reality. God is who he is and what he has for us and, and spending eternity with him, that is what is truly, truly real. You know, <laughs> this term, I don't, I don't know if it's used much anymore, but YOLO, is it? Does anybody use that? It seems like it's a little, it's past now. But you only live once. You know, it's something that has been said more recently, you know, but, but it's old school, right? Wrapped up in a new wrapper. It's been going on forever. This, this thought process that like we have to accomplish and get and do and, and, and hoard all this stuff because I'm only going to live once. You know, it's been said, carpe diem. Seize the day. Like, go get it. It's, it's been said over and over and over. And I looked this up just to get, I mean, I knew what it meant, but YOLO, it says you only live once. But it, it, it gives us an explanation. It says expressing the view that one should make the most of the pre present moment without worrying about the future and often used as a rationale for impulsive or reckless behavior. I love it. You, you can't take the, the first part of it and you're like, oh, yeah, that's good, and not take the second part of it, that it's used most of the time for impulsive and reckless behavior. But we don't only live once. See, there's something past this life that we have here, and in this body this frail, feeble, sinful body, I may only live once in this, but I've got eternity to come after that, to live with God. In 1 Corinthians 15, 32, it says, so <laughs> you have the writer here, he, he's talking to them, they're, they're not believing in the resurrection of the dead. And, and he's like, listen, 
If Christ was raised from the dead, then the rest of us are going to be raised from the dead with him at some point. He's going to come back. But he says in verse 32, if I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, if I went into those crazy people and went out there and, and spoke about God with only my human strength and my human, the, some hope that they would just like me, you know, they'll like me, you know, they'll think I'm cool or whatever, right? Like somehow they'll put me up on a pestle. If I went in there with only human hopes, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. So in this context, he's saying, listen, you guys are thinking like, you know, in that whole area, the whole pagan world and, and the people of that day, they're like, nope, you, it's, they were saying YOLO. You live once, get what you can, do all that you can, because there's nothing after this. And he's saying, no, 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 that's not, that's not true. You have to understand that there's something beyond this life. And if there's not, might as well just eat, drink, and be merry and die tomorrow. But can you understand, he's like, can you understand that, that it's not about this puny little life that we have. It's not about, you know, it may be a hundred years, maybe 50 years, maybe a hundred years, however many years it is, whatever. It's still puny compared to eternity, compared to what God truly has for us. So when we get into this place, you know, uh, on social media or whatever, we're seeing our neighbors, and look at all the stuff they're doing to their house. How do they have all that money? How do, man, how do they, they're just doing all these things. All these different things are happening around us. And we become focused on what's around us. Instead of where our focus should be, which is on Him. And the eternity we have with Him. Psalm 1611 says, you will show me the path of life. Your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. See, that's, those are the things that our mind, that our mind should be contemplating, that we should be looking at and looking to. And, and when all these things are happening around us, again, I said, this last week about something. I don't care. And I feel, you, you know, like I said, I, okay, I said I don't care, but I, I have to get myself back to that place of I don't care, right? And that's the place that we should be. It doesn't matter to me. It, we should get to that place of it doesn't matter to me. If the person builds a three-story addition on their house and I haven't been able to finish my bathroom. Ah. Because I haven't been able to finish my bathroom. There's many reasons, but 
shouldn't matter to me. If somebody posts that they got, you know, some new brand new house or brand new car or all this stuff, you know, because they're, look, this is not necessarily part of my message, but they're not posting the hundred bad things that happened in their day yesterday. They probably went out and bought that new car just to make themselves feel better. But to get to the place where the things of this world or what is happening in somebody else's life, that those things don't matter because we see God and we say, in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. If I'm with you, then it doesn't matter what happens. And I'm not saying God's not going to bless you, that he's not going to come through and do things, because I'm still believing. Some, well, there's probably new people that don't know this, but I had two cars stolen a handful of years ago, and I'm still waiting for him to restore what was taken. I'm still waiting, but you know what? I don't really care because the car isn't where my joy comes from. The car isn't where the pleasures forevermore come from. And I bought a, a newer car, but I'm like, God, that's not, I'm not blessing myself. I'm still waiting and standing on the promise that you will restore what was stolen. But I'm not going to sit here and worry about it. And that's the problem, right? Just like Asaph in, in, in uh, Psalm 73, and he got into his head and was just thinking about what he didn't have and what other people had. And it messed him up. He got envious of what they had. And it's not that, that we aren't to stand on the fact that God will restore or he will heal or he will do that thing that he spoke into our lives or over us. We stand on that. But I'm not going to stand here complaining until it happens. I'm going to find my joy in him every moment and say, God, when you want it to happen, it's going to happen. But I'm not going to sit here and cry like a little baby until it happens. I'm going to look to you and say, it's you that fulfills me. It's you that is everything that I need. I know you'll do it, but that's not where my hope comes from. My hope isn't from the thing, you know, the gift. The thing that he does for me, that's not where my hope is. The hope is in the one that gives it. The hope is in the giver. The hope is in him. So whether he gives it or not, I don't care. See, I let, went back to that. I don't care. Because what I care about is him. That's where we should be st standing on him. The hope of our salvation the hope of eternity, of being with Him just standing before the Creator of the heavens and the earth for eternity and being with Him. That, that's enough for me. 
I don't, take me tomorrow. I don't care. That is enough. Hmm. Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. It says, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. See, in order to get past this stuff, and like I said, I still deal with this stuff all the time. I have to bring myself back, just like Asaph. I'm like, I get fussy. I get angry, you know? And then I have to bring myself back and say, but I've received a kingdom which cannot be shaken. See, that's what this is speaking about. It says, you've received, what other gift do you need, really? You know, we tell God we need stuff all the time, right? I need this. But I always want to be, and I'm not always there. I think that's my point, that we aren't always in that place. We act like it, and I'm sorry to say Christians do just as much as anybody else, act like we're doing good when we're not. But I want to always bring myself, I want us to always bring ourselves back to this place that since we have received a kingdom that cannot cannot be shaken, that nothing else in life matters because we receive the greatest gift that we could possibly receive. I've already got it all. Anything else is just added stuff on top of all. It doesn't matter what happens. Or if that thing comes back, you know, 10, 100 fold, you know, that'd be amazing. But that's not what matters. What matters is the kingdom that we receive that cannot be shaken. What matters is that eternity that we have in our hearts. In Hebrews 13, 14, it says, For here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. For here we have no continuing city. There's a city, but it's not going to last. There's stuff, but it's not going to last. But we seek the one to come, that city to come, that will last forevermore. This should be the place of our hope and the producer of our hope. But in Hebrews 13, 13, I'm going to read the verses around there and give it context. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp bearing his reproach. See, he says, let us go outside that. Let's not sit around and complain or sit around and do nothing. Let's get outside of the place that we've been, whether it's sulking or 
you know, maybe you've been having a good attitude. But don't just sit there in that good attitude. Get out of that place that you've been in and do something. He says, get out of the camp and do something for God. Why? For here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. Therefore, therefore is there for a reason. Because, because of the city that is to come, the one that we really truly should be seeking. Because of that, therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of our lips. Giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifice, God is well pleased. Say, look, stop thinking about all the stuff somebody else has and think about what you have. Well, I don't have. Do you have God? Do you have the promises of God in your heart? Have you received Him and received that eternal kingdom? And since we have that, since we have that eternity to come, do something. See, I love this because in all these scriptures, there's, there's a, a picture. If I could just take it and boil it down to, to like one thing. Forgetting what we have received through Christ and through God. That kingdom makes us stagnant and stale and stay in one place. Remembering and understanding that kingdom that we have received and what he's done in us. Understanding that makes us move. It makes us do something because we can't stand still, but we got to help people, right? It says, but don't forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. What are we seeking for? And it, you know, I have to say that it's not like I'm not saying that God doesn't want great things for you. I'm not saying that God won't bless you. Because He will. He wants you to prosper. He wants you to live with abundance. And He will abundantly bless you. But when we stop seeking Him and seeking after the blessing or seeking after the abundance, that's where we get ourselves wrong. And that's my point today. My point is to seek after Him. To be looking forward to that, that kingdom. To be looking forward to spending eternity with Him so that nothing in this world matters. And then when you're standing on that fact that He has 
this place for you and that he wants to spend eternity with you. And then the blessings come. You are still standing on the promises of who God is, not the blessing that he's giving you. Because that's the problem. That slippery slope is looking to the blessing or the abundance instead of looking to God. It happens a lot, even in church. He wants to bless you, but he wants you to look to him continually and see what he's done. Matthew 6, 19 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your, heart, your treasure is, there your heart is also. For God, it's just all about your heart. He's saying, can you just focus your heart on the treasure of who I am, not the treasure of what I can do for you? I will do it. But can your heart stay focused on me? stand with me. I'm going to go ahead and try to end here. Thanks for listening today. We pray this message encourages you. If you have any questions or you'd like to learn more about us as a church, you can always visit us online by going to lifechurchstl.com.